0: Welcome to this week's energy show. Now, we're starting off the year with my 10 solar and storage trends for 2021. But first, I thought I'd do a recap from Dave Barry summarizing 2020. And this is from Dave Barry's article. 2020 was a year of nonstop awfulness. A year when we kept saying it couldn't possibly get worse, and it always did. This was a year in which our only moments of genuine, unadulterated happiness were when we were able to buy toilet paper. All right, putting that aside, let's look forward to 2021. Now, here's some great things that have already happened in 2021. The solar investment tax credit was extended at 26% for 2021 and 2022. Now, it was supposed to go down to 22% this year and then go away completely next year, but that didn't happen. It was a really big surprise. Part of the COVID relief bill included a two-year extension at 26%, of this tax credit. We didn't expect it. And it was a big surprise that it was even in the bill. And then also a pleasant surprise when President Trump actually signed the bill a couple of weeks ago. Now, as far as what's happening with working at home, businesses are kind of finding that it's pretty good to have a lot of their employees working at home. Sometimes it's efficient. It certainly cuts back on the real estate costs. So that's good for businesses. You know, maybe it's good for people who are able to work at home. It's really gonna make sense when your kids are actually not at home with you and your kids can go back to school, but continuing to work at home is good. But the side effect of that, is that home electric bills go way up. And just talking to customers, their electric bills went through the roof in 2020. And since, you know, we don't really expect the COVID crisis to mitigate until maybe the summer, hopefully sooner, but the rate that vaccinations are going, it's probably going to be the summer when many of us are going to continue to be working at home. And when you're working at home, not only are you concerned about those high electric bills, but you need reliable electricity. No, heck, here in California and some other places, the electricity isn't that reliable. There's fires, there's blackouts, and boy, that's the last thing you want to do when you're working at home, and then boom, the power goes out. So batteries are the only solution for that problem. Yes, you can get a generator, very inconvenient, noisy, and you know, a generator that provides the same benefits as a battery storage system. They're really expensive. And then also in 2021, we're kind of looking forward to a favorable political environment you know, as of events that just recently happened, not only do we have the president really enthusiastic about clean energy, we have the House of Representatives committed to clean energy. But the recent change in the Senate, which means that it's under President Biden's control, means that there's going to be all two branches of government, the executive and the representative, they're going to be able to really push hard for A transition to clean energy. And we're not going to see a lot of the oppositions we've seen over the past few years where the Senate was opposed to this, the president may not have been supportive, and the representatives wanted to do that. So I think we're going to look at some very good legislation happening this year for clean energy, in addition to just a president that's going to be doing everything he can from an executive standpoint to do this. Okay, so that's kind of the background, but here are my specific predictions for solar and storage for 2021. Now, first, number one, all roof orientations are fair game for solar. Now, over the past 20 years, the efficiency of solar panels, we call them solar modules, has increased from about 13% to over 20%. So that's a big improvement. And that's coupled (laughs) with not only did the efficiency go up, but the cost of the solar panels has come down by a factor of over 10. So now it makes good economic sense to install solar modules on every surface of your roof that gets good sun exposure. So basically, the unshaded areas. It used to be that we wouldn't put solar panels on the north roof because the north roof was maybe 20% less efficient than the south roof. Depends on the pitch of the roof, of course. But but now, I mean, even on my house, I have solar panels on the northeast roof and the northwest roof and they're cranking away. And why do you want to do that? Because you can generate more electricity on your roof by using those unshaded north roof slopes. And they're still very cost effective because the solar panels don't cost a fortune to put up anymore. All right, prediction number two. Buildings will be designed to be carbon negative. That means that the buildings can actually generate more electricity than they use themselves. And why can we do this? Well, module efficiency, solar panels efficiencies have gone up and we're able to put more panels on the roof. So you can get more electricity on your roof. And you can make your house actually carbon negative. It's not hard to do. I did it for my house kind of accidentally. i say, well, let me put in a 10 kilowatt system. It's probably more than I need. I looked at my bill and it was negative for the year. And that's really good because we're making a transition to a lot of electric appliances, electric cars, electric cooking, electric heating. And you want to generate your own electricity because then you have to pay a fortune to the utility for gas. So, you know, is it a sidelight kind of a result? The percentage of the rooftops covered with solar are going to increase. And I kind of also just look at this anecdotally. Heck, like 20 years ago, we started putting in solar. Maybe the average system size of solar was like 4,000 watts or 5,000 watts. Now it's seven or eight or 9,000 watts. And there's a lot of homes. People just say, I want to get as many solar panels on the roof as possible. And if you have one of those houses with, you know, nice, big, unshaded, rectangular roof space, boy, it really, really is cost effective and easy to do. Okay. Prediction number three skill levels for solar and storage contractors will increase now these new systems that we're putting in have a lot more features a lot more configuration options it's not just solar it's solar and battery storage you may need some settings to match your electric bill and, and whatever requirements that your utility has and it just requires a higher skill level to implement i mean i think back to the old days like 10 years ago where the solar installers only needed to connect a black wire, a red wire, and a green ground wire from the roof. And it was really kind of easy to install. And you can plug those three wires, ran those from the solar panels down to the inverter, plugged them into your electrical service and the thing, you turn it on, it would work. Now, there's a lot more controls. There's software built into the batteries. There's software built into the inverters. There's apps on your phone. Everything needs to be configured. And as a result, your solar installer has to be savvy. With building electrical wiring, so they got to know how you wire your appliances and your outlets, they have to understand how to do the communication wiring, CAT5 or CAT6 communication wires. There's different wireless communication protocols. I mean, some systems are completely wired, some use Wi-Fi, some use Bluetooth, and so there's some settings to do. The ones you we use usually communicate to the central server and to your cell phone over cellular communications. There's software and apps for your desktop computer and your cell phone, and then just probably hundreds of different settings that you need to configure in your inverter and your battery to get everything to work. And there's a lot of settings because this is international equipment. So the systems are designed, you know, one system, one inverter, one battery, they sell them all over the world. Well, in Europe, they use 50 hertz. Here, they use 60 hertz. The voltage around the world is different. The electrical requirements are different. So the equipment that we're installing really has to be configured for the U.S. or for your particular state. So, you know, at the end of the day, the conventional electrical training and roofing training, you know, what a regular electrician does or a regular roofer does, it's only a stepping stone for solar and storage installers. And, you know, even the basic solar training, I mean, right now, it's a lot trickier than it was before. So make sure your solar installer is really up on the software, the wiring, the communication requirements for these state-of-the-art solar and storage systems. Okay, next, prediction number four. Solar panel electronics duopoly will continue. I call it a duopoly. Duopoly is when you have two... Dominant companies. So, when it comes to the electronics that are used with systems, there's two dominant companies. One is SolarEdge, they make power optimizers that go in the back of the solar panels. And the other company is Enphase, they make microinverters that go in the back of the solar panels. And combined, these two companies have become the standards over 75% of rooftop installations. And I like both companies, I've been using them forever. They're really good. The reality is, Because these two companies have such good products and they're so dominant, it's hard for other companies to kind of come in with competing technologies. And because these companies have good patents on their systems, on their components, plus they've got the manufacturing scale to crank these things out pretty inexpensively. So there's a barrier to entry for new solar panel electronics new inverters and you know that's probably going to change because technology marches forward so these two leaders are going to have to continue their innovation efforts to stay ahead but you know right now it's kind of a two-horse race and both horses are winning all right prediction number five customer service and warranties are the key battery system selection criteria now we've learned since childhood that batteries are inherently short-lived. I mean, probably like a two-year-old, when he finds out that, you know, the electronics in some game that he has or toy that he has stops working, the battery's dead. And, you know, that's a lesson that we learn from our phones, from our computers, from our cars, everything, right? So many batteries everywhere. So they don't last. And the same thing, with batteries for storage systems. But all of these storage systems, they have 10-year warranties. Those are required warranties. And I fully expect that in most cases, these big energy storage batteries from companies like Tesla, from LG Energy Solution, from SolarEdge, these big batteries, they're going to work. They're going to work for a long time. But the warranties are only as good as the integrity of the companies that back these warranties. And that's why I kind of like the big companies that I mentioned. Now, I've seen situations happen with, well, let's just use inverters as an example. Eh, A little inverter company or a big inverter company, when there's big problems, some of these companies aren't really that responsible when it comes to maintaining the obligations they have under their warranties. So they might give you a hard time to get it replaced. And we've been through that even recently with big companies that have inverters and they decided to get out of the inverter business because the inverters weren't working. It's like a nightmare for the installer to get the warranty service and for the customer to get warranty service. So that's why experienced installers like to work with large and experienced suppliers. The downside is that some of these bigger companies, they charge a little bit more for the products, but the benefit is they're going to work. If they don't work, know that these big companies are going to back up their warranties because they care about their warranties. And I've also seen situations where kind of the same thing happens with installers. Installers go out of business, leaving their customers with no warranty support. So my suggestions is if you're a business or a homeowner, look for equipment, get equipment, from manufacturers and installers with a good track record of supporting their products. So you can find this out if you just go look on some of the reviews you see on Google Plus or Yelp. But, you know, you're going to see companies that get great ratings and you're going to see some companies that may be gone by now, but they really disappointed their customers when there were problems. All right. Prediction number six. UL 9540 requirements will stall new battery system product releases. UL stands for Underwriters Laboratory, and they're the ones that kind of provide the safety standards for lots of stuff. I mean, look, I'm looking at the back of my computer. I'm looking at the box on my cell phone. I'm looking at this microphone that I've got. You look at your car. I mean, almost all products have safety standards, appliances, cars, toys, and that includes inverters, that includes solar panels, and that also includes the batteries that we're using with these systems. So there's really good battery standards already in place to make sure installations are safe. They've been around for several years and the, all of the products on the market <laughs> in order to be sold and inspected and, and approved have to comply with the good standards that are already in place. But there's a new standard called UL 9540 that came out And the building departments are kind of saying, well, we want to be able to make sure that the new equipment meets these standards. The problem is that the standards are brand new and the manufacturers of batteries haven't completed the necessary testing to pass these standards. And also the testing is kind of for these new standards. It's not really pass-fail. It's kind of ambiguous. It's not clear whether or not a particular product would pass the test that's required for the type of installation that's being done. And as a result, the interpretation of whether or not new products meet these standard criteria, these 9540 requirements, is kind of up to the individual city or the individual fire inspector. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what they want. So my suggestion is make sure you work with an installer that knows all about the latest regulations that apply to the storage systems in your city. And they vary quite a bit. I mean, down here in in San Jose, and some of the neighboring cities have different requirements, and we just have to make sure that we are selling a system installed in a certain way that's compliant with the regulations that apply to that particular city. Okay, number seven, rooftop solar systems should be oversized. Now, most people who own a business or a house are going to be installing new electrical appliances in the future. You may not have them yet, but when your gas furnace dies, you might want to replace it with a heat pump. When you get sick of using your old gas cooktop, maybe it's time for an induction cooktop. It's cleaner and safer. That old car, a gas car, it's time to get a new car. Maybe we'll get an electric vehicle. So what's gonna happen is that a lot of the things in your house used to be powered by gas, and now you're gonna be powering with electricity. So building electricity consumption is inevitably going to go up. And I can almost guarantee that your home over the next you know three to five years is going to use more electricity in the future than it is right now, and so the way we used to install solar is we would say okay let's say you have you know a thousand kilowatt hour bill per month we're going to put in solar that's going to average twelve thousand kilowatt hours for the year you're going to be fine, but now it makes sense to oversize that system. You're probably going to buy an EV. You might get rid of your gas hot water heater and put in a heat pump water heater or a heat pump air conditioning system (HVAC). It's going to be much more efficient. not going to use any gas, but it's going to use a little bit more electricity. So oversizing the solar system now is a wise design decision for most customers, especially since you're going to still get some reimbursement from your utility if you have a negative electric bill. Depends on your utility, but many of them do. Okay, prediction number eight. Electric vehicle chargers are going to be a common option new solar and battery installations. Now, here's a little bit of a quirk, the way these electric vehicle chargers work and the way inverters work. I'm going to use an example. Most popular inverters use a 40-amp circuit breaker, and that means that there's a 40-amp circuit breaker in your home's electrical panel, and unlike every other circuit breaker in the house, that circuit breaker doesn't send electricity out to your appliances in your house but that circuit breaker accepts 40 amps of electricity from your solar inverter, from your solar system. So it's called a backfed solar breaker. Electricity goes into the breaker and into the rest of the house. Well, coincidentally, your level two EV charger also uses a 40-amp breaker, but of course, that power is going out to the car. So you can use the exact same 40-amp backfed breaker for both your solar inverter and your EV system. And now here's the cool thing. Some new inverter designs have a dedicated connection for an EV charger. You only need one circuit breaker, and you can actually put a a dedicated EV charger connection into your solar inverter, and it doesn't really cost that much more as far as electrical wiring to put in an EV charger. Now you still have to pay for the solar connected EV charger, but all the wiring for that, which could easily run $500 to $1,000, it's kind of automatic. It's built in because you're already doing that wiring for the solar inverter. So by combining the EV charger with the solar inverter, you simplify the wiring, you simplify the permitting, and you simplify the controls for the EV charging, because a lot of these systems actually you can control your EV charging from your cell phone. you know, I have mine set and, you know, I plug in my electric vehicle and I have it set so that the EV charger automatically starts at 11 o'clock at night because that's when the peak rates are low. That's when the electric rates are lowest. It's like 16 cents. But then, you know, let's say uh, I'm home in the afternoon and I want to go somewhere with my car and I want to charge it up. I can just plug the car in, push a button on my cell phone, say, hey, charge it up now. And it'll automatically charge. So I've got, you know, one really cool convenient app for that. Okay. Prediction number nine. The home of the future will have two batteries in every garage along with a chicken in every pot. And I looked this up. I mean, I've heard about this saying a long time. Herbert Hoover basically said every house is going to have a car in every garage and a chicken in every pot. He was very foresighted in that regard. He wasn't the world's greatest president, and he wasn't referring to lithium ion storage batteries, which we're talking about. But that's my view. This is what's going to happen. So you're going to have two batteries in the garage, one's going to be that battery in your EV. EVs have huge batteries, and one's going to be a stationary battery attached to the house, sometimes on the wall of the house, the garage wall, or sometimes inside the garage. We usually like to put them on the outside because everything's kind of easier to install, but sometimes people put them inside. By the way, putting the batteries inside the garage is more expensive because there's electrical codes that refer to putting stationary batteries in the garage. Yeah, it's it's kind of complicated, but just watch out for that. So, in my view, I mean, kind of natural that you're going to have an EV and you're going to want to use electricity for your home, you're going to have a storage battery. The continued cost declines for solar-connected batteries, you know, the kind of thing we've been installing with SolarEdge and LG or with Tesla and now coming up with Enphase, these things are getting more and more cost-effective, and... Kind of the idea that people have had for 10 years when EVs came out is, why don't we use the car battery to power the house at night? It was funny, uh, watching TV, and, and there was a commercial for the Mustang Mach-E, and one of my favorite movies, the, the Chevy Chase Vacation series. So Charles Griswold was going to plug in his EV to power the Christmas lights on his house. And that's kind of the concept with vehicle to grid or V2G. You plug your car in to your house at night and you can use the storage battery in your car, which in many cases, this is a really big honking battery. It could be 10 times the size of a regular storage battery. You can use that to power your house. Great idea. The problem is, you got to figure out, well, gee, when am I going to charge up that battery? And one of the natural ideas is, well, I'm just going to charge it up when I'm at work. Now, here's the issue companies that could cite daytime EV charging you know as a company's going to offer a bonus for people to, to just plug their cars in during the day and they may charge them up from a solar on the roof of the building that doesn't work out so well because the electric rates for companies that are putting in charging stations are extraordinarily high there's this thing called demand charges. So companies say, gee, I'm going to you know, let my employees benefit from charging up their cars from the electricity in the office. But then the demand charge, there's these huge charges that could actually double the electric rate for the company. They're really high. So companies are not putting in EV chargers for their employees as much as you would think. And then if you actually say, well, I'm going to go plug into one of the public stations, that's going to be really expensive. And the other issue is the car companies look at this and say, all right, well, we're going to guarantee the car battery for 100,000 miles of driving your car. Well, if you're depleting that battery 10, 20, 30% every night at your house, you're going to be using that battery a lot harder than the car companies had expected when they originally designed the the 100,000-mile warranty. So the car companies aren't allowing people to connect their car to power their house for using it for stationary purposes i know nissan had talked about it but it really hasn't advanced that much and you look at every other auto company they're all coming out with evs none of them have any really good consumer program where you can actually plug that car in so my view is this is not going to take off as fast as we want it because the auto companies aren't behind it and there's no way to charge that battery up during the day because the companies who could be supporting daytime charging, they're not providing that either. So the obvious solution, although it's suboptimal, is continued installation of a separate battery for your home use in addition to the battery in your car. So what Charles Griswold did when he plugged in his Christmas lights in his house, that's just not going to be a reality, at least any in the near future. Okay, Last prediction, home battery backup still going to remain expensive. We're looking at, you know, gradual cost declines. It's complicated. Backing up the whole house requires multiple batteries, multiple inverters. Doing the whole house is an expensive proposition. Now, I do think, you know, if you're just going to back up a few loads in your house, we call it an essential load panel, let's say you're putting in a battery to save money on your solar, and you know we'll talk about that more later, but if you're just putting in a battery to back up your refrigerator and your lights and your TV and your computer and things like that, that's not going to be killer expensive, but if you want to power the whole house, that's going to be tricky. And some of the things that are reducing the costs for this kind of partial home backup, which from a practical standpoint, that's what I'm a bigger fan of, are what are called load-shedding electrical panels. And companies like Span and Schneider Electric are starting to offer these for new construction. It's not really a great retrofit product yet, but there are other products coming down the market for retrofits that are going to kind of do this load-shedding, or you're going to do what we've been doing here for four years at Cinnamon Energy System, which you just put in an essential load panel. So you want to work with a solar and battery contractor that really knows how to do this and is going to really be candid with you about how long a single battery is going to last during a blackout because I see a lot of misinformation about there. Okay. All right. Those are the 10 predictions. So what does this all mean in 2021 for homes and businesses who are looking at solar and storage? All right. We're going to be all spending more money on electricity in 2021. Electricity rates are not going to go down. Second, especially in California, our electric grid is not going to be any more reliable than it was last year. There's just too many issues. There's too many fires. There's too many trees. It's been too expensive for the utilities to kind of deal with this. And there's been more fires. The global warming has actually changed the climate to an extent that's worse. And also, there are more homes and more wires in areas that that used to be kind of remote. And now there's people living there. And that's where we're getting fires. And that's where there's issues with electricity. So we're going to have those blackouts. The second is in 2021. We still have great incentives. It's not even 22%, it's 26% tax credit on the installation of solar and storage. So storage qualifies for that tax credit, which is great. So there's no reason really to wait to install your own rooftop solar power system. I look at customers going back 20 years. And if every year you're going to save $3,000 on solar and solar and storage, and if you wait like a year or two because you think it's going to come down, it might come down a little bit in price, but it's not going to come down $3,000 in price. I can guarantee that it's not going to come down that much. So you're always better. I mean, look back, every single customer I've ever had has been said, you know, I'm glad I put it in then. I've saved money since it was installed. You might as well. And then if you look at the rate of return, almost every system we install has a less than 10-year payback. 10-year payback is a 10% rate of return. That's a cash rate of return. That's tax-free rate of return. I challenge you to find any investment you can make. Bank investment, bond investment. Eh, sometimes the stock market might go up, but it's not going to go up 10% tax-free. So putting solar and storage system is the best investments you can make. Talk to your financial advisor, but it's something that really makes sense. And heck, as long as the sun keeps coming up, you're going to get that return. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.